It's time to talk San Diego Padres. This is Inside San Diego Baseball from 97.3 The Fan and the Padres Radio Network. Here's Sam Levitt. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Inside San Diego Baseball. Sam Levitt here at the Manchester Grand Hyatt in San Diego, the site of the 2022 MLB Winter Meetings. I'm recording this podcast intro at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time, and a little bit different today because most of the other radio and TV stations have already uh, packed up and and gone home. I am uh, finishing up uh, the podcast here and uh, recording this intro on what was... A really busy Wednesday, especially very early in the morning here in California. Uh, The big news and probably the biggest piece of news from this winter meetings, Aaron Judge early this morning here in California uh, reportedly agreeing to a nine-year $360 million deal to go back to New York, back to the Yankees. Now, the, the part of this that got really interesting was that Later on in the morning, Bob Nightingale reported that the Padres offered Aaron Judge a 10-year, $400 million contract before he agreed with the Yankees, which obviously was uh, an eye-popping number, and it would be reported later on that the Padres and Aaron Judge did meet last night, so there were conversations uh, as, as late as last night with Aaron Judge from the Padres, but but again, he decides to go to the Yankees. Later in the day, Ken Rosenthal reported that it wasn't $400 million. Uh, he also wrote that the Padres cannot be dismissed for Carlos Correa. Uh, the other items of news before we get into the Aaron Judge thing. Reports that they were intensifying heavy discussions with the Red Sox and Xander Bogarts, uh, who the Padres have been linked to. So those were really all the, the big rumors and, and reports today involving the Padres. And uh, before we get to the rest of the podcast, and I have a really good conversation with MLB Network Radio's Mike Farron. I also caught up with Diamondbacks manager Tori Lavello. Good conversation with him. I'm going to play those for you. I'll also play a little bit from A.J. Preller's press conference earlier today. Just my thoughts on uh, the Aaron Judge situation and and the Padres reportedly being involved in that Judge sweepstakes. The way I look at it is this. Uh, On a macro level, I think it's great that the Padres, both with Trey Turner and Aaron Judge, were involved in these discussions to acquire marquee free agents. To me, it just speaks to the level of commitment, the willingness, the investment that Padres ownership, uh, that A.J. Preller, uh, they continue to show in this team and their willingness to put a World Series caliber roster on the field. And and quite frankly, I I applaud the Padres for seeing top-level talent and no matter what, making sure that they were in the mix. With both players, Turner, who the Padres reportedly offered $342 million uh, to before he uh, agreed to the contract with the Phillies for $300 million and 11 years. You know, Turner, it was widely known for a while that he wanted to go back to the East Coast. That's what he did. And with Aaron Judge, I think it's it's just a, a very unique situation. An iconic New York Yankee with the opportunity to become a lifetime Yankee, stay in New York City, and he got the Yankees to a number and uh, a year mark with the nine years that he was comfortable with. Now, of course, in hindsight, you wonder, 
uh, you know, was Aaron Judge meeting with the Padres here in San Diego uh, to try to drive up the price uh, for the Yankees? Uh, was he doing that with the Giants as well? Who knows? But at this point, it doesn't really matter. Aaron Judge is going back to the Yankees. So um, I said this earlier on a, a little Twitter video I did. If you're a Padres fan, and I saw some of it on, on Twitter earlier today, it's okay to feel disappointed in the sense that the Padres were in the mix for these players, couldn't get them. That's okay, and it's okay to feel some disappointment. But again, um, I just think overall it's it's a positive thing to see the Padres involved in these discussions and also willing to look at their roster differently in, in kind of an untraditional sense. Um, and what I mean by that is saying, okay – what I mean by that is not saying, oh, well, we have two shortstops and Hassan Kim and Fernando Tatis Jr. We don't need another. They're looking at it from the perspective of here's a, a unique talent. This talent does, doesn't come on the market very often, and we want to explore acquiring that talent, and then we'll move the pieces around and figure out a way to make it work. And in I think that's a, a really good thing. Again, it shows just a, a willingness um, to uh, to do what it takes to, to put the best product on the field. So uh, I think uh, multiple things can be true. You can be a little bit disappointed, but also uh, I think it's a good thing. And, and with this free agent market, I think it bodes well for the Padres. Uh, apparently, they are looking to spend money, and there are still a number of high-level free agents out there. They've been linked to Xander Bogarts. We'll see if uh, if the reports today that Bogarts and the Red Sox are getting closer uh, come to fruition. Kodai Singa on the pitching market. Carlos Rodon on the pitching market. Look, Carlos Correa is a terrific player. Who knows? Maybe the Padres ultimately have interest and, and have conversations with him. Uh, Chris Bassett, uh, the, the starting pitching that's out there. Um, you would imagine still, even though it was, you know, a quiet winter meetings for the Padres as far as signing players, you would imagine that they will make some pretty significant additions to this roster. And, uh, you know, look, the, the winter meetings, it's three, four days. There, there's a lot of time left before spring training begins. And we'll see what the Padres do throughout the rest of the offseason. But certainly it was an interesting three days here at the winter meetings. And, and the top storyline for the Padres, I suppose, was the money they reportedly offered to players like Judge and Turner and the money that those players decided not to take. Before I play you that conversation with MLB Network Radio's Mike Farron, I did want to play a soundbite from A.J. Preller's press conference earlier today. And uh, he was asked about a, a number of different uh, topics regarding the Padres' pursuit of Aaron Judge and Trey Turner. First, here was A.J. Preller when he was asked if he feels like the Padres had a real chance to sign Aaron Judge or if it was more about Judge's leverage in driving up the price for the Yankees. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think obviously we, we took a, you know, we, we, we took a meeting and sat down because we, we felt like we wanted to hear more and, and have him hear more about our situation. So, you know, exactly how it how it played out. Um, we never, you know, really got an opportunity to, to kind of find out, find out a lot more. So um, I think from that standpoint, you know, ultimately sat down, had a, had a conversation, but, you know, he made a decision here early this morning to go back to the Yankees. And here was Preller with a little bit more insight on the process that went down between the Padres and Aaron Judge. Yeah, it was, it was, it was something, honestly, in the last few days. Like, we sat down, and I think we didn't really, you know, ultimately I don't think we really, 
yeah, I think we thought it was, you know, him going back to New York felt like, you know, something that was, the, the, you know, at least from our evaluation, we thought that was probably something that was that was likely. And um, I think in the last couple of days, we re, you know, I reached out to uh, to his agent and just met to Paige and just said, hey, what, what's going on? And, you know, is he interested in talking a little bit? And, you know, he, he was interested and it came in, we had the meeting and ultimately, you know, woke up this morning and he was, you know, he had he'd already made a decision to sign with the Yankees. At any point yesterday, did you think it was a possibility? Did he come here? No, I mean, honestly, I think it was just a, a situation to find. We went into that meeting just open-minded, kind of seeing what was going to happen. And I think went into that meeting, you know, I think from both sides, just kind of see, hey, is there, you know, uh, just kind of talk about our situation, what we're looking to do, hear what uh, what may be important to him, and, you know, and uh, you know, really didn't progress much, much past that. So that was some of what A.J. Preller had to say earlier today. Also earlier today, I recorded a really good conversation with MLB Network Radio's Mike Farron. Here it is. I'm joined right now by MLB Network Radio's Mike Farron. Mike does a terrific job. I've listened to him for a long time. I've been lucky enough to get to know him now over the course of the last few years. And uh, just a, a great guy to talk about what the Padres are doing, have done here at the winter meetings as we uh, sort of wrap things up on this Wednesday. You know, Mike, it's it's funny. I feel like this is a super interesting winter meetings for the Padres so far, even though they haven't signed anybody. Right. But you hear the numbers that they're talking about with Trey Turner, with Aaron Judge. It's it's really remarkable so far what's happened the last 48 hours. What's your takeaway on the Padres well, side think, of things? I think that's the way I look at it, too, is that they're clearly going to play at the top end of the market for elite-level players. And, um, you know, they have – They've run into a couple of unfortunate circumstances in that there were players that obviously felt like there were better fits on the East Coast for them. You know, with Judge, it's, you know, undoubtedly uh, part of it is that you're a Heritage Yankee player, right? right? And, you know, he's very close with his teammates there. And, um, you know, they had to go above and beyond to even have a chance really to get him. But, um, you know, you're going to – you know, you can kind of understand where Aaron Judge is coming from and wanting to stay there, and and you know what's forty million dollars between friends, um, and and with that in mind, you know Trey Turner too is you know from the East Coast, very close with a number of members of the Phillies organization. His wife is from just outside of Philly, right. so all of that factors in. But I think as you look at the rest of the market going forward, whether it's you know. Carlos Correa, or I guess maybe even Carlos Rodon, although I think that's a little less likely, but Kodai Senga, Brandon Nimmo maybe even. Yeah. If you're playing at the top end of those guys and playing at the top end of the the salary pyramid, then I don't see why you wouldn't keep trying to push forward for those guys. You know, I could mention Xander Bogarts in there too, but it does feel like, at least as we're sitting here now, that right. Bogarts is heading back to Boston. Yeah, that was the report earlier today, and then I just read something from Ken Rosenthal about an hour ago where he, he didn't link the Padres to Carlos Correa, but he basically made the case saying you can't count him out, and who knows because we know that they've got the money to spend. Uh, I guess out of all those guys, uh, I mean, you mentioned Bogarts, and um, we've mentioned Correa, and you mentioned all the guys, Senga and, and Rodon. I mean, do, do you feel like the Padres, before this offseason is over, have to add one of the, the higher-tier players in this market or no? Do they have to? No. Um, I don't think that they necessarily have to. I mean, they clearly have needs, right? They, they need someone who can play one of the corner outfield spots, I think right. preferably right. 
Um, you know, they could they upgrade in center field based on Trent Grisham's production the last two years? Yeah, I think that's a possibility. Uh, they need somebody to for, play first base slash DH. Um, you know, they could certainly use that. They need another starter. But, I mean, they could accomplish a similar amount for a similar amount of money to what they offer Judge, they could probably fill multiple holes if they right. wanted to. And and at some point, that's what the pivot is, right, is that you go from being a team that is looking at the top of the market, and if you're not getting those guys but you're willing to spend that money, okay, well, let's spread it out over four or five guys. And, you know, maybe it's like a Chris Bassett who has a good relationship right. with Bob Melvin or Kodai Senga who is very close with, with you Darvish and, and played with Nick Martinez or – um, you know, it's a Brandon Nimmo who, you know, provides a little bit of, of on base, you know, at the top of the lineup. Or there's a number of different spots that they could go, I think, um, to improve their roster, even if they don't add an elite player. And they could always try and do something via trade as well. So, right. um, you know, we know that the that A.J. Preller likes to big game hunt. We know that Peter Seidler is um, one of those those owners who's willing to spend. I mean, I loved his comments about, um, you know, you can't take it with you. I like spending the money, right? That's what you want to hear in an owner if you're a fan of a team. And so, um, you know, I think they continue to push forward at the top of the market. But I think there are other moves that they could make that would land them in a similar or even better spot than just playing on high-end guys. I agree with you. The more I think about it, the more I'm starting to think, okay, well, if they they would have got Judge or would have got Turner, obviously it's a great talent mm-hmm. and you take it. But they've already got three superstar-level players in, in the field, in Soto, in Tatis, in Machado. I'm starting to get the feeling, and, and I think a, a high-end starter would be a great move for them, but, but kind of like you're saying – it's almost more about building around that and building a, a complete team right now because the, the core of this team, starting pitching-wise, in their lineup and in that bullpen, I mean, this is a team that, that as long as they do what they need to do, I mean, I, I think they're a 90-plus win team. Yeah, I mean, I think, they're, I think, you know, they're I think they're a good team. I think it's constructed right now. Like, if you were to look at some of the early projections before teams started signing free agents, they were definitely an above 500 team. Right. Um, and probably closer to the Dodgers than they were to, like, the Giants and Diamondbacks right. in the division. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, and projection systems tend to be a little bit more conservative anyway in what the win totals look like. So um, I don't know if it's necessarily a 90-win team. They weren't this year, you know. So um, are there things they can do to get there? Yeah. And and I think, again, like, there's – I think one of the things that when you have a front office that's, that wants to add talent is – that there are a ton of different avenues that are available to you. So it's not like they have to thread one needle. It's they're, they're trying to, to thread multiple or, or, I mean, it makes it sound more complicated than it is. They're probably more using a loom weave. Right. And, um, you know, they can weave together a lot of different, a, a lot of different fabrics. I'm really going down a bad road with this analogy, <laughs> but it's been four days of little sleep. Right. Uh, AJ Preller, you know, yeah. you, you, you walk around here, you talk to different people, and you keep hear, hearing people say uh, he's aggressive, he will explore every avenue, and certainly, uh, you know, the, the reported uh, offers to, to Turner and, and Judge are right. in line with all that. What do you hear about what AJ Preller is like as far as trying to acquire players and, and in these meetings and conversations? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that the baseball people around AJ really um, 
relish is the fact that he's willing to be aggressive and that he really listens to um, you know his top evaluators and and how they they view things and then when when it comes down to it like he's a tireless worker like it seems like he doesn't really sleep that all he ever does is work and play basketball right. and so um, I think you know I think that's kind of who he is I mean he's a scout like you know he's I was talking to some folks from Perfect Game and they have a huge tournament in October every year called the Worldwood Bat Association Tournament that happens in Jupiter, Florida. And um, it's an event where a lot of the players that are coming up for the next year's draft are competing. It's like the last big competition, and it's real competition. It's not a showcase event. It's the top travel teams in the country playing. And out there in his cargo shorts and T-shirt and bucket hat at, like, 8 a.m. before anybody else is AJ. Right. I mean, he's a scout, and he is – he is relentless in his pursuit of talent. Now, does that make him perfect as a general manager? No. And I think that there are a lot of roster construction issues that they've had that, that they could probably still work through. Um, and he could probably add some personnel people around him to try and help you know, make that roster uh, work a little bit better. But in terms of trying to identify and acquire high-end talent, like he thinks you win with stars, and he he's, has no problem paying the price it takes to acquire stars because he knows, you know, if you think back to his days in Texas, like they had the top farm system a lot of the time, and a lot of it was had to do with the work that he did internationally. Very few of those guys ended up becoming really good big leaguers, even though they were amazing prospects. So I think maybe the biggest thing is that he's not afraid of that at all. He's not not at all afraid to go out and acquire um you know acquire players that are at the top of the market because he knows how hard they are to develop and to find when all these conversations were happening about you know if the padre signs her or a bogarts you know another shortstop obviously there there are a lot of questions mm-hmm. about how that affects fernando tatis jr yeah. like it's one of the things we're all talking about on on the station and I'll tell you what, like there, there seems to be differing opinions because there's there seems to be a camp of people and analysts that that think it, it'll be a seamless transition for Tatis if he goes to the outfield when he comes back. But there is a group that feels like people are almost forgetting like how special he is, even defensively, even though he had some issues with the routine right. plays, but how special he is. The Fernando Tatis Jr. situation as a whole, the last year, switching positions, coming back hopefully in, in late April – what do you think about all that? Well, I think I think there's even a split in the Padres organization over what they want to do with Tatis. In fact, I know there is because I've talked to Padres officials who've talked about that. That you know, I, I think that's why you see the pursuit of Judge and the pursuit of Turner, yeah. right? Like they have the flexibility to be able to put Tatis at in the outfield or at shortstop and slide Kim to second and Cronenworth to first and. And there is a group of people inside the Padres organization that think the best course of action is to leave Tatis at shortstop, to just leave him there. He's going to be a motivated player coming off the suspension. He wants to, he's going to want to prove everybody wrong, and it's a spot that he's most comfortable. He doesn't have to learn a new position, and that might help him offensively some. So I think, there's, I think there is an understanding that they don't have the perfect answer, but they have real flexibility in that – they can they can make a move that improves the club knowing that they could ask Tatis to do one or the other and that he's open to it. 
Final question for you, just because it was the uh, biggest news of the day. Uh, you woke up at 5.36 a.m. and you mm. were greeted by the Aaron Judge news going back to the Yankees. Uh, reportedly, the, the Padres offered more money. It was reported earlier in the day, $400 million. Now, maybe it wasn't $400 million, but um, oh, it wasn't a formal offer. But, but a high number, maybe above what he ultimately got from the Yankees, uh, was being discussed. If the Yankees don't get to that number... What do you think happens with Aaron Judge? I mean, I think he signed someplace else. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, we don't know where San Francisco's number was, too. It was rumored yesterday to be around 360. So I think it's, you know, I think there was a number that he had to get to that he was comfortable with. And, you know, he may have set it out as, okay, listen, it's the highest average annual value for a free agent position player in history it's the highest average annual value for a free agent contract in history right so he set both records in it so i think if the yankees hadn't been willing to go to that number then you know then he probably signs with either the padres or the giants like i think it's i think it's that simple so um they kind of had to go to that number i mean it would have been fascinating if it hadn't happened because to see where the yankees pivoted would have like i think you can make a case that if they had taken that same contract turned around if he went someplace else and something similar or even a little bit more they offered to carlos correa like correa's four years younger and they would give them enviable depth in the middle infield that they could trade from to maybe you know bolster their rotation or you know to be able to help them add outfield help mm-hmm. like there were there are a number of avenues that the Yankees could have gone down, but clearly they value Judge not just as the player, but the person in the clubhouse. Um, you know what he is to teammates, all of those things, and so uh, acquiring him made the most sense, and it was still the most likely outcome this winter was for him to go back there. Right. Um, but you know, you're, like if he if it hadn't happened, I think it would be we'd be going through chaos right now. Like it would be like it would be crazy to think what would happen if he had right. gone to San Diego or San Francisco. The Yankees would have had to pivot and pivot really, really quick. We were uh, talking earlier, some of us from the station, about could you imagine if the Padres actually like signed him last night or something? What we would be doing today, it would be chaos uh, on our airwaves. And, oh, man, uh, all that would be that incredible. <laughs> I mean, here, it would be. like, winter meetings yeah. in San Diego, yeah. too, right? Like, man, this, like, this place just, I mean, the, it's been so much fun. Like, I came here a lot during some lean years. Yeah. And coming here now while they're good, like there's so much Padres gear around town, it's freaking awesome. I yeah. love it. I mean, I love San Diego anyway. I love the the gas lamp area down around the ballpark, but to see how much brown and gold there are, and just people like walking to work, and right. it's December. Like these are pe- not people that know that the winter meetings are going on. It's pretty cool. Mike, uh, this was a lot of fun. Great to see you over the course of these winter meetings. It, it, you almost forget like there's two and a half more months of the off season right? to go because you, you feel like everything's got to get done during these uh, three days. We'll see what else happens. Don't but. worry, because once January first hit, <laughs> it, it's feel it's going to feel like I know spring training is right there. You're going to be you're going to. I know this has been your first year and you've done a wonderful job. Thank you. But just get ready because the panic is about to set in in like three weeks. All right. I'm ready for it. Mike, appreciate the time. This was great. No problem, buddy. Happy holidays. And finally, during these winter meetings, I caught up with Arizona Diamondbacks manager Tori Lovello, who always has some really good insight on his team. I asked him about the Padres, the young players on his team, and more. Here was my conversation with D-backs manager Tori Lovello. Sam Levitt here from 97.3 The Fan and the Inside San Diego Baseball Podcast. Right now, very happy to be joined by Diamondbacks manager Tori Lavello. Tori, hope it's been a good offseason for you so far. Uh, really fun, exciting team you have in Arizona. I want to get to them in a second. First, you face the Padres and 
a number of times. Yeah. That's, uh, that's uh, putting it lightly over the course of the last few years. You've seen this team get built in San Diego. As you watch them in the postseason and see where they are right now entering this winter meetings, your thoughts on the Padres and what they did this year? Yeah, I, I get a bird's eye view of them, right? A lot. We we um, we play them, uh, and and you know I don't enjoy playing them because they're a very very well run team. Bo Mel is one of the best managers uh, in Major League Baseball. They're run by an unbelievable general manager and AJ Preller. So they've got a great combination of things. They're bringing in the right players, and that that group has combined to go out and win baseball games. And I know they 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 beat the Dodgers, which is a big thing in San Diego. Uh, uh, I know that they're ready to take the next steps, and I don't think they're ever sitting still. I think Bo Mel is going to is going to get as creative as possible. The team is going to come together in a special way, and we got to play them. You know, hopefully it doesn't work against us when we're playing them, but they're on the right page, they're doing the right thing, and they play the game the right way. Bob Melvin finishing up his first season mm -hmm. with the Padres. What was it like getting to know Bo Mel and managing yeah. against him? Yeah, it's always a challenge, you know, when you're when you're done playing him, you're exhausted because he doesn't miss a thing. And I love that. I love the challenge of managing against some of the best managers in baseball. And uh, he does it right. He does. He does everything that you're supposed to do. He doesn't uh, he, he doesn't take chances. He doesn't take risks. He just he plays the game and does it the right way every single day. And he gets the most out of his players. His players go out there and play as hard as they possibly can for him. And that's the bottom line. Tori, you have a lot of young, exciting players, whether it's an Alec Thomas, a Corbin Carroll, a Tommy Henry, the list goes on and yeah. on and on. We talked a lot about uh, about it during the course of the season. Mm -hmm. Entering these winter meetings, what were the Diamondbacks in your mind looking for to add to this roster? Yeah, it's hard for me to say. You know, our front office is all about making the moves and, and bringing in the talent level, uh, increasing the talent level, and that's all they ever try to do. Whether they're sitting in a, in a, in a war room right now upstairs or they're in their office during the season, Nothing ever changes. Today is not a different day than it is if it's the middle of August for our ball club and our front office. So um, we love where we're at. We love where our team's at. But we won 74 games, and we're proud of that, right? So we, we increased our, our win total by 22 games, but we still won 74 games. we got 20 more games that we got to make up somewhere. And, um, you know, I think first it should, starts with the bullpen. We know it's well documented. There are, uh, we need some more pieces in the bullpen. I think we've been addressing that, and we're talking that through right now. But our front office is going to go out and give me the best opportunity to put the best 26 players on the field to help us win baseball games in April, and that's the bottom line. So much young talent. Do you feel like there will be an expectation for the Diamondbacks to compete for a wild card spot, a postseason spot this season? Um, I want us to believe that, uh, and I want us to go out and execute at a very high level to make something like that happen. There should be. We're Major League Baseball players. We're not just going out there and, and trying to throw the, the ball around and just say that we've got the job done because we're happy to be here. I want guys that believe that they're going to win baseball games. They're going to go out there and make good things happen, and we should have that expectation. If we don't, we don't have the right guys. Finally, some really good young starting pitching. Ryan Nelson, Dre Jamison, two names that Padres fans know well. Major yeah. League debuts, seven scoreless innings. It's yeah. like, what's going on here? On the pitching side of things, where do you feel like you're at with those young starting pitchers? We're in a really good spot. So, you know, you've got, you've got Madison Bumgarner, you've got uh, Zach Gallon, you've got Merrill Kelly, uh, and then you've got really good young upstart um, pitchers behind them that have made major league debuts and a couple that you mentioned, right? So we can go a little bit deeper inside of the system. Guys that not, have not made their major league debut, but we've built depth inside of our system and we built it around starting good young starting pitching. So you're right. It was fun to watch Dre. It was fun to watch um, you know, him go out and execute at a very high level. Great for Ryan too to, to do it. 
They need to go out and do it for an entire season. When they do, we're going to separate ourselves. And you made a really good point, that rotation headline by Gallen, by Kelly, by Bumgarner as well. So some veterans mixed in with the youth. Tori Lavello, always a pleasure. Uh, we'll see you in San Diego this summer and uh, enjoy the rest of this winter meetings. I'm looking forward to it as well. Thank you very much. That'll do it for this episode of Inside San Diego Baseball, our final podcast from the 2022 Winter Meetings here in San Diego. Hope you enjoyed it. I have to say I'm kind of proud of myself that I, I did indeed post a podcast Monday night, Tuesday night, and here tonight, each of the three nights uh, of these winter meetings. I uh, hope you enjoyed the content here on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the content on social media as well. If you want to hear more from me, I am hosting uh, with Matt Scraby on 97.3 The Fan tomorrow, or it's today if you're listening to this in the morning. Uh, but on Thursday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., we're filling in uh, for Coach John Quintera and Braden Soprenant. 10 to 2, we will talk plenty more about the Padres. Until then, I will talk to you uh, at 10 a.m. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we'll talk to you next time here on Inside San Diego Baseball.